today we're continuing our conversation from the last episode, Understanding Spiritual Gifts, Part 1. So today you are going to be listening to Part 2. What about some of the gifts? Like, I don't know if people, I guess you can look up the list online and see what the definitions are for each one, if you're curious. I I guess we shouldn't take the time to go through it. But I I like your point about leaders, Rosemary, because I think it's important for us as leaders, because leaders is a spiritual Mm -hmm. gift. Mm -hmm. And so as a leader, we're supposed to do it diligently. And so I think putting, helping people get into the right part, you know, we're one body, many members. And like you said, Kelly, you know, some of the eyes, some of the heads, some of the hands, you know, and, and I think it's important to help them get into the right place of observing their gifts and understanding that yeah. like, hey, I see you. Uh, I, I An example of this is we were in a leaders meeting for Bible study and this really young girl answered a question and just the way she answered it, I just like perceived or God gave me a word like she's she's a teacher. And so it was that moment of like like what you were saying, Rosemary, as a leader, we recognize those giftings and go, hey, I think God may be doing this. And then they confirm that. And she confirmed it. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I'm scared to death, but mm-hmm. I do think that's what he's doing. Yeah. And so now I can look for opportunities where she can then step right. out in faith with that gift. And that's in any, you know, those that like, go towards making coffee and they think, right. oh, all I do is make coffee. No, we that's a spiritual gift of hospitality. <laughs> yes. I love those people. I think that's so good because we want others as leaders, we should at least want others to thrive in their callings and in their ministry. And so helping them identify, I mean, like you said in the beginning, I think we often are operating in gifts that we didn't realize. I know I did for years. And like you said, you did. And, you know, as long as you're operating in them and you're serving, that's great. But it is helpful to help others recognize it so that we then can look for opportunities and find ways to plug them in as well. Um, I do think, though, sometimes people can discourage us. I will tell you, early on, I felt I was an assistant pastor's wife like almost 40 years ago and felt like God was calling me to teach. I had never taught, but I felt like I was called. And I'm not sure if I should say this or not, but so I confided in an overseer of mine that I felt we were at a teaching thing. And I wasn't teaching at the time, but I opened up and said, you know, I really feel like God might be calling me to do this. And she laughed at me. And so, and then one time I picked up a guitar, I learned two chords and I went to our worship leader and I played it and I'm like, hey, look what I did. I'm all excited. And he laughed at me too and never picked that up. So I don't think I'm gifted in that. But the funny part is if you, (laughs) I know it's like, why is everybody laughing at me? But I knew I was called to teach someday, and it wasn't right then. And so never laugh at somebody, even if you don't see it, because maybe God is birthing something. And, you know, I waited, and then Brian takes over a church, and then here I am, and I've been teaching for years. And so, you know— I love that. You waited. You just wait on the Lord, you know. God made it happen, and now nobody's laughing at you. Well, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they are right now, but— Who cares? <laughs> I'm going to laugh if you play the guitar. I, yeah. want, I really need to see. No, I really need I to so see that. myself, and he's like, really, Kelly? I might like, buy you a guitar that. just for <laughs> that alone, just for the entertainment I value. Horrified. I cried. I, I think it is important, though, that we um, that we 
encourage people to step out and use their gifts. And even if that might be wrong, that's what I think. People go, I don't want to make a mistake because it's spiritual. It's holy. Mm -hmm. It's like we feel a great responsibility to steward these gifts well. The Bible talks to us about stewarding our gifts. But you you know what? It's like a kid that makes the Mm -hmm. bed at two years old, Mm -hmm. and you're just so proud of them for Mm -hmm. trying to make the bed, even Mm -hmm. though it's like a train wreck and you want to go back in and make it again. But you're just so proud of them for at least trying. And I think that sometimes we just need to try and and tell God where we're going to make a huge mistake. And I think that's so helpful sometimes in figuring out what you like to do. I mean, I think when we got saved, Brian and I, we were at a a church in Bellflower. We tried everything. And it was like you would try, you know, because you just wanted to serve, right? You you were just so excited. And we signed up on every list. And and some things you do and you're like, Brian tried to be a sound man once and it took a couple weeks and he's like, yeah, nope, it's not my gift. You know, some, but you, you had to learn. You don't right. know if you're gifted sometimes right. that way. So no harm, no foul. You know, you just, uh, that's right. you just try, you step out in faith. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. It's okay. That's our heritage. And, you know, just, um, I, I know that Chuck Smith would let people try things and mm-hmm. if it succeeded, he's like, well, that's of the Lord. And, and mm-hmm. if it didn't, it didn't. Just try something else. Right. I remember him saying in one of his messages, too, that he um, said the best gift is the one that you need at the time. Yeah. And so sometimes if you're on the mission field and kids need to be taught, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm very gifted in teaching kids. But I remember one time we went to a church with my grandson, Holland. He was three, and their classroom, his classroom was shut. And they said, oh, we we can't have his classroom today. I was like, why? And they said, because we don't have any teachers to teach it. So I went home and I got out the tin foil and we made the armor of God. <laughs> I was like, this kid's getting a lesson today. And, and we went through it. But it's like, that was yeah. the gift I needed right then. And, you know, let's let's bring up another point that this is a, a problem, I think, that people um, use their gift as an excuse. And they say, oh, teaching children is not my gift. I, I'm not going to do that. Or they say, oh, no, that all just, you know, that coffee just spilled all over the floor. No, cleaning and serving is not my gift. I'm not going to do that. And they just watch and wait for someone to come. I just feel like basically we're all a servant, right? We're all to serve. And if there's a need, we should step in and do it. Not always because that's my gift to clean the spilled coffee or because the children's class didn't have a teacher and they closed the class. Someone can step in and fill a need and we shouldn't use our gifts as an excuse. Well, Jesus washed his betrayer's feet. So I think that kind of settles it. (laughs) Like what kind of servant we're supposed to be. Yeah. And neither should we be. Paul said to Titus in chapter 3, verse 14, in the conclusion of his letter, he says, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs. And then he goes on. And there's urgent needs, you know, and sometimes... Yeah, all hands on deck, and that's not my gift, but I'm going to help. I mean, remember what you said about the kid one time, Our my first trip to Haiti, we were doing a VBS, and I'm not a big kid teacher either, and I was told there'd be just a few kids in this VBS. We landed, there was 500 kids. We're Holy 500 <laughs> kids, and you got me and a team of ladies looking at each other like, oh my heavens, and the Lord did what He did, you know? I mean, wow. you don't know it. But he would equip us for what where yeah. he put you right then. So, I know there was really a costume involved for you, of for course. sure. Yeah, there was. <laughs> the product costume probably did. I just know Kelly enough to know yeah, that she probably. wore a costume for sure. <laughs> She's always it. got something Stop hanging. It. You're being spicy from her. 
Um, what if someone's in the wrong seat? Let, let's bring up that topic. What if you've got someone that says, this is my gifting, and then they go in there and it's like, no, like no. no one's confirming oh, it. We've had things like that. We've never had that. <laughs> You're and lying, and right? just like I'm what like, we oh. mentioned, that our heritage is, you know, um, that we believe in the um, the gifts being a supernatural thing, that this is the way God has equipped his church to serve and to build each other up. And sometimes you just let people try something and everyone sees that, yeah, that wasn't very good. And no, we won't let them do that again. Yeah. And, and you just kind of say, yeah, you tried it. It wasn't so great. So let's try something else. Yeah. It's and that's really awkward. It is awkward, especially if they feel like it went well. Yeah. yeah. But as a leader, you just have to, because it's not our job to walk around and police people's gifts in the whole church, you know, but right. as a leader under you, um, you want them to thrive. And so to, to graciously be able to point them in another direction is difficult, but yeah. I think that comes into teaching, too, as a leader. I think yeah. that we can teach culture mm -hmm. and that our culture should be one of wanting to please the Lord, wanting to glorify God, that this is not about us getting a position. This is not about us fitting in where we think we should fit in. But but even um, if you have to change positions, as long as that's to the glory of God and the betterment of the people in the church, then that culture should be built in from the foundation that we can teach people, look, there might be a day when when you don't get that role. We're, none of us are like guaranteed a role or a position. It's not like, oh, you get a position in the church and then you just keep it. It's yours. It's like, this is my territory. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't work like that. What's the, Ted always says, you know, we do the, the best for the most amount of people. You know, what's the best for the church? And I think if we built in that culture, then it's a lot easier to move people around. I know this year, um, for us, I took my Bible study coordinator and my event coordinator, and I switched their positions. That's pretty gutsy, Brenda. And because we have the culture that we have, they were both like, yes, I understand this. I, I will embrace this. And they and and they are servants that like just lay it down. They're like completely willing to lay that down, and they switched roles without without even you know a complaint. I mean, it was just this beautiful thing. So I think so. How do you talk to people though? When like, what do you say, Rosemary? What do you say when you have when you have to move someone, or you think somebody's not gifted, or is you know? Because I'm sure there's a lot of leaders out there going, yeah. What do you say? <laughs> So this is this is maybe funny. Um, maybe. I have maybe <laughs> this is listen to this though. You um, you know I had a job before I went on the mission field. I was a bank teller, and oh, I learned a ton about um, just how to use my faith in a work setting and how to uh, talk to people and how to share my faith. And uh, they had us ask questions. Um, did you know that we have this? Did you know that this was available to you? Did you know this was possible? And I like to use these kinds of phrases and even to kind of move that into, um, you know, just talking to someone and you would say, how did you think that went? How, how was that for you? Was it what you were expecting? And you get them talking and you can lead the conversation and just get them to the point to say, maybe this was um, a good try. We all appreciate that you tried. Um, are you interested in maybe this other thing? What if they don't say that? 
What if oh, they, I know, right? What if they say, no, I think it went so good. I've had that. Oh my gosh, that was the most fun. I did. I know it was great. Like, wh- how would you answer that mm-hmm. one? Then you say, did you know you're not good at hospitality? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you make horrible so, coffee. No. <laughs> so yeah, this is awkward. But I would, um, I would maybe, uh, I've had teachers. And so that I, I sit and I take notes on their teaching um, or on, let's say, discussion leaders, I will take notes. And these are my suggestions for um, how to do it differently, that it would be better for all and for them too. And so I take notes sometimes when they teach that would just be you know, beneficial, look up more and make more eye contact, even things like that to help them. And so I will make specific points about um, maybe what was not done well. Yeah, but that's more of a critique of somebody who is gifted, right? What if they shouldn't be up on the stage ever again? If someone is doing something that's not going well, I would bring up very specific points. I wouldn't just say, how was all of that experience? I will bring up things that I saw. I will yeah. write notes that, what about, um, I can't think of an example. Right. What about when you said this, you, you know, where did you get that from? Yeah. You know, you were teaching, let's say, and you said this. I, I really wonder where you got that from. Can you tell me about that? You know, and you just want to have some specific examples for what you saw wrong, like why you think they should not be in this yeah. position or they think they have this gift and why you disagree and you need to have specific points. I think not general. Yeah, I I recently had to do this. The Lord just reminded me of this and and it was horrible. But I think um as I was talking to her and she has a lot this person a lot of giftings just not in the area that we we're, we're that she was functioning and but I was able and I started it like that to say how many giftings she has and all the other giftings I see in her and I was able to go through the list I see you're so good at this and so good at this and so good at this and and really kind of encourage her before I got there to say I just don't think I think you might be better fit here cuz it's like sometimes as leaders uh well, not with this one specifically, but sometimes we have a need, and so sometimes we just try to stick a person in the need, but it's like putting a square peg in a round hole or something if it's not their gift, and I think we've all done it. In a pinch, we needed someone to do that, and then you're like, okay, that was bad. But so she was trying to put herself as a square peg in a hole, in a different hole. So it was like I was able to encourage her in all her other giftings, and that helped her receive what I was trying to say better. Maybe that's just... Confrontation, nice. confrontation, one hundred and one. You know, um, yeah. But so I think nicely as leaders, done. I think yeah. As I said, leaders, we do have to remember. It's sometimes again meet an urgent need, and we have to. But um, I think sometimes when churches are small, it's easy to do it the other way. You just have a need. You go teach that. You go do that. You go do that. Just because you're trying to survive, you know. Mm-hmm. But as you grow and you have more people and you can be more specific in their giftings, you know, it's it's important for us as leaders. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm always good at this and encouraging no, people in their but gifts. But you're right. That's Ephesians better. four that we build up the body yeah. and let the whole body have a place to serve. Yeah. Right. I think to an another, I'll just share another approach because those those are really good. Um, but I think too, there are some people that 
are just trying out. Maybe they're baby Christians. Maybe they don't know their gifts. And and I don't know that in those situations I would have a big confrontational meeting. I think I might gently just um, maybe um, take away that that position or influence that they might have, and and maybe just redirect it a little more passively. If that makes sense, it like there's some people the that, yeah, yeah, that it could be because we don't want everybody thinking, oh, we just need to confront everything too. But I mean, oh, no. that's one way to do it. And and that is a good way in certain situations. But we also, I think, can take a more gentle approach yeah. as well and just sort of redirect people without almost without even them knowing we're redirecting yeah. them in some senses and just let them you know explore well, different things and happen, well so. giving time i yeah. think for the holy spirit to do a work through them so that they can figure it out because some people are still just trying mm-hmm. to figure it out now when you're talking about rosemary and teaching like that's a little different mm-hmm. like you know for me i i might not even give someone feedback i might not just invite them back to teach. Like I have control over like who gets in that in those positions, you know, the leadership. So it might just be that. If they ask me for feedback, then I might, but it might just be a little bit more like, okay, let's give them space and time mm-hmm. to have the Holy Spirit Every um, direct them. Every different. Si- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to throw that out. It's supernatural. We yes. should be praying, yes. you know, that the Holy Spirit shows them, that yes. speaks to them. Yeah. yeah. Amen. What about the gift of tongues? Let's go there. That's a fun one. What about it? (laughs) (laughs) When I first got saved, I came out of the Catholic church and into a Pentecostal church. Mm. That was interesting. (laughs) And I was in high school and I just thought, wow, this is, I guess, the way it's supposed to be. I didn't know. Yeah. And I didn't realize there's a huge variety of churches out there with a different theology on the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know that. My dad got saved a year and a half after me and started going to a Calvary Chapel. And he was reading his Bible and pointing to verses. So 1 Corinthians 14 is really the chapter people need to read on the uh, how to practice mm-hmm. these gifts. Mm-hmm. And man, it, it, it was so obvious. And we'd go to our pastor and say, oh, but the Bible says this, my brother and I the Bible says this, and then he'd tell us an answer and we'd go back to our dad. So, I mean, the gifts of the Holy Spirit um, do include speaking in tongues, and that one is not for everybody. I Mm -hmm. never had that gift. But when I attended that church, I was made to feel like I'm only saved once I start Mm -hmm. speaking in tongues. That's a sign of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And the problem became that I did not feel like I was saved. I um, they, they brought me in front of the congregation oh, and I Lord. kept being prayed over and they kept saying, surely there's a sin you're not confessing. There's something wrong oh with you, oh basically. Gosh. And I just went away feeling like, you know, I, I'm not good enough. Yeah. yeah. I was scared at first too. I came out of from a Catholic church and uh, into a Calvary, but had some interesting experiences there and some other Pentecostal churches, and what I saw scared me to death and honestly made me hesitant about the whole spiritual gift realm for a while. You mm-hmm. know, it took a while for me to unsee right. what you saw or unfeel what you felt, Rosemary. That would have been horrible. Right. But I don't know how many times I sat on a chair and people laid hands on me and repeat this word, repeat this phrase, repeat this, do this, you know. And um, so, yeah, it can be a scary experience when it's 
not handled good. Yeah. I think that's the biggest uh, complaint, I think, of abuse was people coming back and saying, I prayed and prayed and prayed, and and then this person, like, made me say these words, and Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like those—I just felt like they were telling me to do it, and it felt like it was in the flesh, and it wasn't spiritual, and and then they get turned off by the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. some of the misconceptions, I I think Paul asked the rhetorical questions, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all—and I've heard it, well, why wouldn't God— want everybody to use that as their prayer language. We hear that we hear that verbiage. And um, I said, well, why wouldn't God ever want everybody to be a teacher? Why yeah. wouldn't He want everyone to be a pastor? It's a rhetorical right. question. He I feel says like it's no. It's clear in Scripture that not everybody has it. Yeah, but so many people yeah. no, think that you our, do, even our, within our tribe. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> if you our tribe. think yeah. that. And so there's, you know, these misconceptions. And, and is prayer language different than speaking in tongues in public? I don't think so. I think it's the same gifting. I think there's a gift of tongues that 1 Corinthians 14 talks about in some other areas. And so when you're using that gift, I, I do have the gift of tongues. I actually got received the gift of tongues before I knew there was a gift of tongues. And it reminded me of, I think it's in John, or that where they said, what's this Holy Spirit? Like, we've never even heard of this Holy Spirit. What are you talking about, this Holy Spirit? You know, and and so I was using that gift, not knowing really mm-hmm. what it was, and then there was a teaching on it. I was, oh, I think I have that gift. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in my thirty years, I've only used it once in public, in public yeah. and there was an interpretation. And so, I think that um, we have to sort of know the rules to it too. Right. That in a public setting. You know, the Bible gives us really clear instruction that if there is a tongue spoken, that there must be an interpretation. If there's no interpretation, then we stop. Mm -hmm. Nobody else speaks in tongues. If there's an interpretation, it's always going to be to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. It will always be magnifying and glorifying. So it won't be a word of knowledge. Mm -hmm. It won't be a prophecy. It will be uh, to the Lord Lord, about His glory, His majesty, you know, just all, all of that. And then it says that we should do that three times, right? I think in Scripture it talks about like having it be like three times and then sort of we're done. And if there's no interpretation, stop. And then if there, yeah, if there's no interpretation, stop. And so can you use that for prayer? Yes. The beauty of using that gift for prayer is that it's 100% in the will of God right. because you don't know what right. you're praying for. Right. So right. that that's a good thing. But can you guys think of other like misconceptions or uh, misunderstandings about that gift? Um. I, I shared my experience yeah. um, in the Pentecostal church, but just I think we need to be careful that um, we don't suppress people who do have these gifts. I yeah. feel like we might go the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good. Very good point. Very good point. We don't want to operate like cessationists, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm bad at that. It's like I neglect talking about it, not on purpose, but now that we're thinking this through, it's like, yeah. 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 And I think there has to be a time 
for for that within the church. And I'm even trying to incorporate that using the gifts within the women's ministry. I've been praying about like, God, how can we how can we have a time and a space for that to happen? We have what's called first Wednesdays. We don't do a midweek service, but we we come together and share testimonies. And that would be the place where the gifts are opened up because a lot of um we don't see it much on Sunday mornings anymore where the gifts are open up. And and it is um it can be tricky because when you hand a microphone to someone, you know, you never know who's going to pick up that microphone and then it's done incorrectly. And that makes, I think that makes pastors shy mm-hmm. of doing yeah. it because yep. it's always the one yeah. that's going to grab the mic first that like ruins it for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, I mean, it, it really is that way. And it's like, oh, that just quenched the spirit. And now you're like, give me that mic back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But I think it's important to teach our yeah. women, too, if we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, women's ministry, like being able to open up and have a space. Retreats were always great for that. Right. Being able—I don't like the word afterglow. Yeah. Um, I, Cause I has, don't think it's extremely biblical. I know where they get it. <laughs> just kind of become a culture word, I think, to us, really. But I think, too, some education has to happen because so many new people, and you say, okay, you can use your gifts, you know, right now or however you say it, very spiritually sounding, but if they don't even know what you're talking about because we haven't been educating them, they just stare at you. You know what I mean? And then they're afraid, and then they don't They are what's going on. Um, And so there's education, too, that we need to do, talk through what we're doing, why we're doing it, you know, and kind of what's acceptable before you even start it. I remember the one of the first... Well, I won't say where. One thing I went to <laughs> that it was like uh, within our tribe too, and it was just erupted with tongues. This is like 40 years ago, but just craziness I felt. And again, in my own tribe, and I remember going to find a phone booth and calling my husband. And I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> what is going on? And there was no education. It was just like, everybody do this now. And it honestly freaks me out. And um so I don't want to ever freak out anyone. And I think, Rosemary, it's such a good point because sometimes our experiences keep us back from what you said, from from more leaning toward a sensationist because we don't want to do that to someone. So we go the other way. So this is really yeah. good. I really need to pray through this. Bible also tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right? yes. directly. So education along with it, I think is key. I think it is key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you call it if you didn't call it afterglow? Time waiting on the spirit. Yeah. Waiting on spirit. The glow of Jesus. Just a glow. Glow, glow. <laughs> Call it what you want, yeah. but do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think that we need to be teaching uh, the women and and not making it odd. I think the best thing that my mentors did for me was not make it odd yeah. that we talk about these things. Talk yeah. about them very uh, matter of fact. Talk about them biblically. Right. And then open up and give Time. Don't worry about it being quiet. Yeah. Don't worry about it um, being um, anything that um, is weird, you know. And when people give, and I've been, I'm going to be honest, I've been scared at times when I've been in those situations where God has like put on my heart, like, oh, someone, someone's right shoulder is hurting. And then I am terrified to go up and go, um, I think someone's right shoulder's in pain and we should pray for you. That's scary to me. Yeah. Like, that's what I did. I'll when be honest. That, that happens. I think I have that gift at times. And that's what made someone said, Do you know stuff about everybody? It's exactly <laughs> what happened. Yeah. Yeah. 
But your heart and starts beating. Yeah, you know, you're, you're freaking out. It. I don't want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And just that understanding of what you were explaining about how these are manifestations of the Holy Spirit, that it might not be every single situation that you have that gift. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we've kind of talked through this as much as we can. I think for this, we're going to do this in two parts. This will be the end of the second part. Um, so resources. What do you guys what do you guys have for resources before we wrap I, I this wanna up? say one more thing actually sure. that we've talked about First Corinthians twelve and fourteen, and we've skipped over chapter thirteen. And I think it's important to say that um Paul says right here in the middle of speaking about the gifts is that love is supreme, Yes, that we should all love. That is the mark of a Christian um, that we all have, but it's important that we love. And what he's talking about in the first three verses is that you might have an amazing gift. You might be um, endowed with some something that people just say, wow, there is a God, you know, something like this. And um, if you don't have love, it says, then your gift means nothing. It's right. really nothing right. for the Lord. And it, it's so important Good to him that we have me. love. Yeah, that, that's great. I read a quote this morning that blew me away and I'll, hopefully I'll get it right. It said, um, theology is wasted on those who love to learn, but they have um, not learned to love. Mm-hmm. That's good. Isn't that great? That's a great quote. So um, I have one resource. It's um, Discover Your God-Given Gifts by Don and Katie Fortune that I thought was really good. Do mm-hmm. you guys have any other? There's gift tests. You know, maybe everybody knows this, but I do. I did pull out Chuck Smith's Living Water book on the Holy mm. Spirit, and I just feel like he breaks it all down really well. That's that would good. be my recommendation. He breaks down all the gifts. Yeah, that one's good too. Um, there are online assessments that you can take that would just help you point mm-hmm. in a certain area. Again, observation, having conversations with people as leaders, prayer. Um, I think those are all really good things. Um, yeah, that's important because you might take a list, uh, or I mean a test like that, and then think, my gift is to prophesy. And you need to actually talk to someone. They might say no. Or yes, you know, I think that's important to talk to someone, what you're saying. And I think it's important to understand what the gifts are. I think you really need to do a deep dive into what what does this actually mean. I had a friend who took one of those tests. I've had bad experiences with people taking the test, so I'm a little tainted on the test. But she actually said, this is my, I found out this is my gift. So that's why I don't have to do anything else. She actually said that to me and I was like, hmm? So it, it, she just felt like, so I don't have to serve anywhere. I'm just going to do this. And um, that's really not good. <laughs> no, that's so, using it as an excuse. Yeah, exactly. And so I've seen people use their tests as an excuse from why actually they're not ministering most of the time if they're going to do that. They're already not ministering at all. And somehow that justified what they're doing. So I think just like with anything, you just have to be careful. But they can be very, very valuable if you have the right heart, spirit, motivation, prayerful, Right. All the things. Blah, blah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We hope you find this content helpful. Uh, Stay connected with us on Instagram and Facebook for daily information, and we will see you next time. 
Hey, Las Vegas, we're coming to you live. Join us February 25th for our next one-day event of When She Leads at Fervent Church. This conference is for any woman who serves in ministry. Registration is now open, and you can get more information and pricing at whensheleads.org slash conference. Come join us. Come join us.